You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Good. Hey, perhaps the most famous kingdom in the world today is a make-believe kingdom we know as the Magic Kingdom. It's found in Disney World. I just want to ask you, I mean, can you imagine if the entire world was like a magic kingdom? I mean, think about that. Everything would be clean. Everybody, for the most part, would be happy, would be nice. Everything would kind of be good news. The only work would be play. The only object would be fun. And life would just be one thrill a minute, minus the long lines, right? There would, however, be kind of two problems if all of the world was kind of like a magic kingdom. First of all, most of us could not afford to get in, right? I mean, you've seen the prices uh, down there in Disney World. Todd's over there shaking his head. He lived down there. He knows. But for the other problem, it is this. Has it ever occurred to you that the magic kingdom has no king? It has a mouse, but it has no king. So let me just tell you about another kingdom. Unlike the magic kingdom, it is not a make-believe kingdom. It is a real kingdom. Unlike the magic kingdom, it is not a kingdom you can see, but rather a kingdom that you cannot see. Unlike the magic kingdom, which will be gone in time, this is a kingdom that lasts for all eternity. This kingdom is not the magic kingdom. This is the Almighty's kingdom. It is a kingdom where Jesus Christ is king and Jesus is Lord. We talked about that last week. It is also a kingdom where there is no war, just peace. There's no sadness, just joy. There's no sickness, just health. There's no death, just life. No hatred, just love. No fear, just faith. It is also a kingdom where one day the lion will lay down with the lamb, where the child will be able to play with the snake, where the wolf will feed with the sheep, not on the sheep. And in the Bible, this is called the kingdom of God. Now, interestingly, if you're here this morning and you are a believer, you're a Christian, You are a part, you are a citizen of this kingdom. And Jesus Christ is your king. And because of that, each one of us who are a part of that kingdom, we have certain responsibilities that we are called to experience, to embrace, and to fulfill. And so this morning, I just quickly want to share with you four of those. The first thing is to see the reality of the kingdom. As I said, this is a kingdom we cannot see, but it is a kingdom we can experience. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. First. Not second, not eventually, not when you get around to it. Seek first this kingdom. And that statement implies there must be a kingdom to seek. You can only seek something that is real and you can experience. 
And that tells us the kingdom of God is indeed real. It can be sought. It can be found. It must be encountered. Now, I find it interesting in the context in which Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 6.33. At this point in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking to the bigger issue of worry and anxiety. How many of you have ever worried or been anxious about something? Yeah, all of us have. All of us have probably been worried or anxious about something already this morning. And so in the context of this, Jesus is talking about worrying about clothing, what we're going to wear. He talks about being anxious when it comes to food, what we're going to eat. Constantly thinking maybe about money. How are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the mortgage, the rent? And in the midst of this big discussion, Jesus inserts This statement pertaining to the kingdom of God in verse 33 in the middle of this broader discussion regarding worry and anxiety because I believe in the midst of worrying and being anxious about food, clothing, money, shelter, it's very easy to lose sight of the kingdom of God. That's why I believe he puts it where he puts it, right? I mean, if I'm stressed about clothing, about money, how I'm going to pay the rent or the mortgage, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to think much about the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, instead of worrying and being anxious about all of these things, and they're important things, they're things that matter to us, but what I want you to understand is they're important to Jesus. They matter to Jesus probably more so than us. And so Jesus says, in the midst of all of that, we have a choice. We can seek first the kingdom of God, or we can worry about all of these things over here, but the danger is in worrying about all of these things over here, we're not going to give much thought, if any, to the kingdom of God. And so that's why he prioritizes that by saying, seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says, I'll take care of all of the other stuff. In fact, the heart of everything Jesus taught kind of centered around this kingdom of God. It's amazing that phrase kingdom of God is found 61 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and altogether is found 85 times in the New Testament. Jesus even said the reason he came to this earth was to introduce to kind of begin to talk about and to unfold this concept, this reality of the kingdom of God. Listen to his words in Luke chapter 4, verse 43. He says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. The first sermon that Jesus ever preached focused on the kingdom of God. He said in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said the time is fulfilled or the time has come and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the prayer that many of us know by heart and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said one of the things that we should be praying for is for your kingdom, your kingdom God to come. Jesus even said at the Last Supper in Mark chapter 14, verse 25, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
Can you guess what was the last subject Jesus spoke about before he ascended into heaven? Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us he was speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was important to Jesus, and Jesus spoke of it often because it reflected, again, his priority. And again, it raises the question, is the kingdom of God something we enter into in the future, or is it something that we experience here and now? And the answer to that question is, yes, it's both. The kingdom of God is both here now and coming more and more each day. The kingdom of God is both present now and is expanding more and more each day until one day the kingdom of God will come upon this earth in all its fullness. First of all, it is clear the kingdom of God is future, but it's also already here, but not yet fully here. We just saw in Luke 11, verse 2, where we're to pray, your kingdom come. And Jesus says we're to pray that when we pray. And essentially what we're saying is we're saying, Lord, bring your kingdom upon this earth. It is here, but it is not here in the way we need it. It is not here in the way you intended for it to be. Your kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. So, Lord, today, bring more and more of your kingdom to this world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now. And that word now, it's in a present tense. So we would be able to say from the days of John the Baptist, you know, until now, today, February 17th, 18th. 18th, so we could say, you know, from the days of John the Baptist until February 18, 2018, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The kingdom of God, it, it continues to function here today the way it did then when Jesus walked upon the earth. And again, there is kind of this sense of a futuristic progression of the kingdom of God in that it has both come and it continues to come even now and into the future. But again, it's also very clear that the kingdom of God is even now, in this very moment. I would say in worship this morning, if you, if you entered into worship This morning, you encountered, you experienced the kingdom of God. On one occasion, Jesus said in Luke 11, 20, he said, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus also said something else very interesting about the kingdom in Luke 17, verse 20 through 21. He said, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered to them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Now again, in order to really understand, to appreciate the kingdom of God, you have to understand the relationship between the kingdom and the church. First of all, the church is not the kingdom. We are a part 
of the kingdom, but we are not the totality of the kingdom. It's interesting when Jesus first came, as we've seen in scripture there, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of the church. The founding of the church came later. I found this very interesting as I was kind of studying and looking at a lot of different commentaries on this. I kind of noticed that in the ESV translation of the Bible, the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mostly by Jesus, but then is only mentioned 34 times in the rest of the New Testament. That kind of surprised me. Because I kind of just thought, you know, as Jesus made that such a focus and a priority of his teaching, I thought it would kind of be reflected the same there in other parts of the New Testament. And I think one reason for this is Jesus is more intentional in introducing and establishing the presence and the reality about the kingdom of God, where Paul's focus and emphasis seemed to lie more in establishing and building the local church. And Jesus kind of places more emphasis on the kingdom of God, whereas Paul places more emphasis upon the local church. Again, both are very important, but they serve completely different purposes. And again, all that to say the kingdom involves the church, but the kingdom is not the church. Furthermore, the church, we are to be a witness. We are to be a visible representation of the kingdom that is both now and the kingdom that is to come. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. We are a witness. We are a testimony of the kingdom of God. So this much we know as a church, we're to be about kingdom business because we are on business for our king. But we still haven't answered the question, what is the kingdom of God? And to that, let's look at our second point, and that is seek the rule of the kingdom. The word for kingdom is a word that literally refers to the rule or the reign of a king. Now, why is that important? Well, the kingdom is not so much a place as it is a function. It's not so much talking about an actual territory or place as it is talking about a sphere of influence. Every kingdom has a king and every king has a throne and that throne is the seat of authority from which the king rules and reigns. So what do the subjects of a kingdom do? Well, one of the things we do is we do the will of the king. See, a son obeys a father because he wants to. A servant obeys his master because he needs to. But a subject obeys his king because he has to. In a kingdom, the king is in control and it is his will that is both supreme and sovereign. Let me just tell you this. The happiest subjects of a kingdom are those whose subjects are surrendered to the control of the king. I want you to kind of get this picture in your mind. I remember as an early Christian, I would see little uh, Bible tracts that would kind of have this picture on there. And there would be a picture of a throne. And on that throne would be seated our heart, our, which represented kind of our desire, our wills. And again, 
Somebody is going to sit upon the throne of your heart. Someone is going to rule and reign from the throne of your heart. Now, you cannot make Jesus Christ the king of your life. He really cannot be Lord of your life until you abdicate the throne of your heart to him. In other words, it would be very, very difficult, if not impossible, to pray in the prayer, your kingdom come unless we first say, my kingdom go. Your will be done. You cannot pray that until you say, my will must go. You forsake one kingdom in order to embrace the other kingdom. So when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, in essence, he's telling you and I that needs to be our number one priority in life. And that word seek, it means to actively pursue. It means to go after it with all your gusto. It is in the present tense. And by present tense, what that means is for every believer, for every moment of our lives, our priorities should be first and foremost seeking the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ over our lives. It's coming more and more and more under the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. So again, in order to seek the kingdom, you must first seek the king. Because again, you cannot have a kingdom without a king. So the first priority, the first order of our lives ought to be seeking the king of the kingdom. But again, it's not enough to just say, all right, I'll seek the Lord. Again, Jesus is very clear. He says, you have got to make this your first priority. Not your second, not your third, not when you get around to it, not one of these days, not someday. Now, first. And again, Jesus Christ, he's not interested in being the first runner-up in your beauty contest. He's not interested in being the vice president of your corporation. He's not interested in being the second in command in your army. He wants to be the king, seated upon the throne of your heart, not a co-partner in a duplex. But we are also, as we seek the king, again, to seek the kingdom. Now, when you truly seek the king and his kingdom, you are really seeking for three things, okay? So we talk about the kingdom of God. What is it that we're seeking? Three things. First of all, you're going to be seeking for the glory of the king. Now, the word glory, as it pertains to God, is the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by humans. You and I, we have been created in such a way that we can perceive, we can experience, we can embrace, we can encounter God. And what we are created to encounter, in part, is his glory. Okay, that's the manifestation of his presence as perceived by you and I. So holiness, when we encounter the holiness of God, it is a part of the manifestation of his glory. It's his presence. So when we, you know... Uh, encounter the love of God. The love of God is a part of the manifestation of his glory. It's his presence. We can encounter that. 
Every part, every aspect of our life, every minute, every moment of our time, every ounce, every pound of our energy, every muscle, every fiber of your body, we need to be focusing upon experiencing and encountering the presence of the king. And when we do that, one of the byproducts of that is you're going to experience the glory of the king. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, or do all pursuing, seeking after the glory of God. So seeking for the glory. The second thing is we're going to seek the guidance of the king. See, a loyal subject in a kingdom is always going to do what the king wants him to do. Again, there's no higher calling in life than to find out what your king wants done and then do it. Here's the thing. Every believer, every Christian, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes, five days, five months, five years, 50 years, Every believer has a place, a position, and a purpose in the kingdom of God. Do you realize that? Every one of you in this room, if you are a believer, you have a place, you have a position, and you have a purpose in the kingdom of God. And our responsibility to the king and to the kingdom is to search it out, to figure out what our place, our position, and our purpose is to the king and to the kingdom of God, and to be diligent and faithful in living that out upon the earth. Third thing, it means really to seek the government of the king. A loyal subject, again, desires, it is our desire to want to be controlled by the king, to be governed, to be ruled, to be uh, reigned over by the king. Now, some of you may be sitting there and you're thinking, this just kind of sounds to me like you're talking about slavery. Well, I want to tell you, the greatest liberty in the world is when you are controlled by the right master. The greatest liberty comes when you are being controlled, ruled. And reigned over by the right master. So when you really understand the kingdom of God, you will seek the rule of the kingdom. Thirdly, is to show the righteousness of the kingdom. Jesus goes on to say, not only are you to seek the kingdom of God first and foremost. Not only are you to seek the kingdom with every ounce, every energy, every fiber. He says, we are also to seek his righteousness. That is, we are not only seeking God's rule and reign over us, but we are seeking God's character within us. Because the kingdom of God is not just to be inwardly experienced, it is to be outwardly expressed. The kingdom of God is not just to be inwardly experienced. And that's the problem for a lot of us. We experience it inwardly, but it is also to be expressed, to be lived out externally, outwardly. 
So if God is ruling over you, then one of the things that ought to happen as a byproduct is his righteousness will be within you. Because your character is simply the outward expression of whatever controls you on the inside. Character is always seen. It's always manifested in its conduct. Proverbs 20.11 says, Even a child is known by his deeds, by whether what he does is pure and right. And see, here's the thing. We're never, ever going to make a difference in the world until the world sees a difference in us. Some years ago, the editors of a leading London newspaper were angry and they were frustrated to find several typographical errors in their editions every day. They took several different measures trying to correct the problem, but nothing seemed to work. So one day this idea hit them. The typesetters were told that the first issue of each day's paper would be delivered to the king of England personally, and he would be reading it the first thing every day. Suddenly, like overnight, the paper became virtually free of air because they realized that their work would come under the scrutiny and the oversight of the king. You and I, we need to understand that the lives we're living, we're not just living them in a vacuum. The lives we are living, we are living under the oversight, over the, the constant watchfulness, the observation of the king. What you do matters. And so you should do everything in your power to see to it that your life reflects the fact that you are a part, a member of this kingdom. Finally, I'm going to end here just to share the ruler of the kingdom. You can, again, look at all of that um, in your um, outline uh, for further on that. What I, where I want to just end today is my sense, if, if you're anything um, like me or I think just normal people uh, who live... <laughs> you know, life day to day. A lot of us, we have a lot of responsibilities. A lot of us are, are involved in a lot of different things. We have jobs and we have families and we have obligations. And again, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, there are just times where I can get so caught up in the day-to-day -day living that it, it just seems to crowd out that seeking first after the kingdom of God. There are times where I just get so caught up in my job or in things that are going on at home, in my other responsibilities, and that kind of becomes my primary focus. Oh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. And all of it really pertains to the busyness or the activities of my life. And again, I think for me, oftentimes, as I look at a message like this, as I'm looking at a Bible verse where it says, seek first the kingdom of God, Again, I have to tell you, the biggest issue for me in making that a priority is I get so caught up and I get so overwhelmed in this over here that I lose sight of this over here. I think it's also hard, again, that this is a kingdom we do not see, but it is a kingdom that is very real nonetheless. All the more reason we've got to seek after that. And so this morning, I just want to kind of just uh, end 
there this morning. Again, just asking that God would again just be able to take us where we're at this morning. In the midst of all that we're doing, in the midst of the busyness and the hecticness of life, that God would be able to begin, uh, again, shift us back. Um, And this is just, again, I think it's an ongoing battle. I think it's just, again, that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so this morning, again, it's just an opportunity to recalibrate. It's just an opportunity to reset this morning and say, God, this is where I'm at. I'm caught up in the busyness. God, this is where I know you want me to be. And God, when I am in this place seeking first your kingdom, your righteousness, your word says you're going to take care of. You're going to look after. You're going to provide for all of these other areas. For me, it's just coming to this place Seeking first your kingdom, trusting and knowing you will do what you say you'll do. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, we just again, we come this morning. Last week is again, we just sought to establish your lordship over our hearts and our lives. This morning, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would just come. And God, again, you understand the busyness, the hecticness, the craziness, the demands of life. And you understand how all of that oftentimes gets us away from, gets our focus, our eyes off of seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And again, God, you don't stand on this side uh, of our busyness, of the hecticness of life. God, you don't stand there and look at that with any condemnation There's there's no anger, there's no guilt, but yet, God, you have a better way. And Father, I believe, Lord, that it is to take us out of the kingdom of this world and again to bring us into the kingdom of God. And Lord, there's always just going to be that struggle, that battle between those two kingdoms. Father, we saw that kingdom rear its ugly head this week in Florida. And God, that is why it is so important that we are about seeking and advancing, experiencing the kingdom of God. Because that other kingdom is always going to be advancing. It's always going to seek to be manifesting itself. And we as believers are called to manifest this kingdom over here. And God, to manifest that kingdom over here, it begins when we say, first and foremost, we will seek the kingdom of God. We will seek your righteousness. So God, we ask, Lord, that you again would just move our hearts recalibrate, reset our hearts to be seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And the promise you've made to us is, God, you will take care of, you will provide for all of these other things that are legitimate needs, are things that we need. But, God, you will take care of that if we'll take care of seeking your kingdom and your righteousness So, Father, again, I just ask by the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, make us more aware of this kingdom of God. Make us more aware of our place, our position, our purpose in that kingdom. 
And Father, again, I just thank you that Jesus came manifesting, talking, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And Lord, I just pray that you'll open our eyes more and more to the reality of that kingdom. So Father, again, we just thank you for this reminder. We thank you again for this opportunity, God, to just recalibrate, to reset our hearts. And just, we set them upon you. We set them upon your kingdom. And we ask that your kingdom come today. We ask your kingdom come in this place, in this moment right now, Father God. We are asking for a manifestation of your kingdom. Father, we're asking, Lord, for a greater manifestation of your kingdom every day. That tomorrow the kingdom of God would be greater, more real to us than it is today. And every day thereafter, Father. So Lord, just come and open the eyes of our heart. That again, we can experience. That we can encounter your glory. And Father, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.